Great to see you today. Welcome to Adventure Church. Does anybody know what these are? Huh? Come on, say it. Blueprints, right? Blueprints. These are the blueprints from our building. So heavy that you have to use a zip tie to keep them together. And this weekend, we are celebrating one year since we opened this facility, right? Just amazing. One year in the building, so many years to prepare to get to that position. You know, they started drawing these plans years before we even broke ground on the building. In this, there are foundation, excavation plans, there are electrical, plumbing, HVAC, everything that it takes to build a facility like this is laid out in a plan to ensure that it gets built the right way. And so every week, these plans laid in an office in a trailer for a long time. And then once the building was to the point that they could move the the construction office inside the building, there was a huge table. And any time a contractor came in and there was a question about what to do and how to be built. Everything, every outlet was planned. Every, you know, difference in the walls and the ceilings and lights, it's all planned. So if you ever have a question, right, you just go to the blueprints. And I can remember going through here and being on tour and they would just be turning these large pages and going into here and then going through all the notes and going, oh, yeah, 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 that's not right. That was supposed to be over here. This wasn't built the right way. And the reason that they have these blueprints is to, again, to ensure that the building and the facility was built to last. And today we're starting a series about relationships and marriage called Built to Last. And I don't know if you know this, but God has given you a blueprint for your life. God has given you a blueprint for the relationships in your life. He's giving you a blueprint to ensure that, that the marriage that you committed to will stand the test of time. Blueprints, again, ensure that things are built the right way. And the Bible, come on, is a blueprint for your life. And if you will apply the, the truths of Scripture, the values of Scripture to your life, it will ensure it doesn't mean you'll have a perfect life. Come on, when they were building this, this facility, there was lots of things that went wrong. I can just tell you this week, half of our lights in our, in our parking lot aren't working. They're trying to figure out why. What do they do? They go back to the blueprints. They're trying to figure out where that wire was pulled from. Is there a short in the wire? Things don't always go perfect. They don't always, you know, have no imperfections or problems that come up. They've had, there's been many problems over the last year. In fact, Wednesday, we will do a year walkthrough with our contractor throughout the whole building to find all the things that went wrong in the first year to get them fixed because they're still under warranty. And so it doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life or a perfect marriage, but, but the blueprint that God gives us does ensure that in the end, we will win. In the end, we will still be standing the test of time. So what about your life? What blueprint guides your life? What about your relationships? What about your marriage? What have you done in your marriage, in your relationships to ensure that it will last? What plans are you following? What blueprint is is guiding you so that when trouble comes and questions arise, what page do you flip to? to find the answer that you need. I've never done premarital counseling with a couple who said, yeah, you know, we hope that it'll last for two or three years, you know, maybe five, that'd be great. But, you know, statistically, I mean, realistically, right, half of all couples end up breaking up end up getting divorced. I've, I've never sat down with a couple and they said that if they did, I'd say, hey, maybe we want to hit pause on this. There's a little bit more to it than, than that. And we're going to talk a little more about some of those things throughout this series. But nobody goes into their, their marriage thinking it's not going to stand the test of time. 
that it's not going to last until the end. I mean, they mean it when they say until death do us part, we're, we're in it. We, we're committed to this. But statistically, half of all marriages don't make it. Why is that? What's the problem? I always tell couples when we sit down that you need to spend more time drawing some blueprints for your marriage and not just your wedding. Because couples will spend tons of money, tons of time, energy to ensure that the the five-hour event goes off without a hitch. But the lifelong marriage, eh, we love each other. Isn't that enough? Right? We, We love each other. And a lot of times we think that love will be what makes our commitment last. But listen, let me tell you, it's commitment to the right things that makes the love last forever. Hollywood and Hallmark says, right, two people meet. There's a little conflict just to create some drama to keep you watching those Christmas movies, right? And then in the end, love is enough, and and they, they, they ride off into the sunset to live happily ever after, right? That's the fairy tale that we hear from the time we're little kids with Disney all the way until you're adult, locked in for those Hallmark movies, right? We love a good love story. But to build something that lasts, it takes a few things. They're in your notes. You can fill it in. The first one is this, is it's planning, right? To build a facility, it started with planning even before the drawings were, were laid out, there was just dialogue. There was meetings. Well, what do you want the building to look like? We met with the architect. How big of kids' space do you want? How many seats do you think you would need? What about parking, right? There was just a lot of planning, right? And, and in relationships, you, gotta, you have to plan. You first need to think about yourself. Who do you want to be? What type of person do you want to be? What type of husband? What type of wife? What type of mom and dad do you want to be? What then if, if I know who I want to be and who I am and who God's called me to be, then who do I want to partner my life with? Who do I want to marry? What do I want in a spouse? Right? If, if you're single today and you're not married, this is going to save you so much time and energy and hopefully heartache over the years, you should right now be writing out a list of what you want in the person you're going to marry. Who do they need to be? And you should have some non-negotiables when it comes to that. Hey, here's some things that I will not compromise on. I don't care how good looking they are, right? I don't care what type of family. There's some non-negotiables that you should have. One of them being, if you are a Christ follower, that they too are a Christ follower. I used to tell students all the time when I was in youth ministry, there's no missionary dating, okay? Oh, but Kyle, I I know that they're the one, and, and I just know that I can lead them to Jesus. No, you can't. They may lead you somewhere, and you go, well, how do you know that? Well, statistically, people who get unequally yoked usually get pulled to the other side. They get pulled in the direction that they don't want to go. So you should have some non-negotiables. So there's some planning that takes place. Then there's preparation. I remember when they, you know, were breaking ground on this facility. I was just so, like, anxious to see something go vertical, right? It was like months of just moving dirt and underground work. And, you know, the only thing that was vertical for so long was the elevator shaft, which we don't even use yet. Just cinder block wall right in the middle. Everybody would go, what is that? I go, it's the elevator shaft. That was the only thing that we could see, but there was tons of preparation that was being put in to ensure what they placed the building on would be solid. Are you guys following me today? Because it seems like you need more coffee or something. I know it's been two weeks. I've been out, but here. But, But there was something solid to build on so that the building was built to last. There should be preparation that goes into your relationship on the front end. Premarital counseling, talking with each other, preparing, laying out the plan, the blueprint for what you want your life to be. And then once you enter into that relationship, there's a process that that has to happen. 
for this building. It was, it was a 13-month build from start to finish. There was a long process. And, and sometimes, you know, we want to rush the process in our lives and, and just get to the end. And, and maybe if you're dating, you just kind of want to rush and get to the, the wedding day and you want to get married and you want to start that, that part of your life. But come on, there's a process. There's, there's things that God is doing inside of you to prepare you for ultimately who he wants you to be and who your spouse is going to need you to be. And so you got to embrace the process. You got to let God do his work. And, and during that time, right, there's, there's a lot of patience that has to be embraced as well. You have to be patient in the process. Listen to me. To find the right person, to become the right all these things, right, it's going to take much longer than you think. When you build something, it's going to take longer than you think. Always realize that there's going to require patience. And if you're married and you're already in the relationship, come on, patience is key to relationships that last. And then lastly, the last P here is persistence. Don't give up. Don't quit. And today, I don't know where you're at in your relationship. I don't know where you are in your marriage, but can I just tell you something? Come on, be persistent in that. Trust God in this process. Don't give up. God's will and God's ways are always worth our effort. So Jesus tells us how to build something that lasts in Matthew 7, 24 through 27, he says this, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. Come on, who wants to be wise? (laughs) You want to be wise? He says, anyone who listens to me and then does what I say, they're a wise person. You see, because a wise person, right? They got some plans. A wise person has some plans in place, and they build on a solid rock, a foundation. He says this, though the rain comes and the torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it will not collapse because it's been built on bedrock. It's been built on a solid foundation. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is a fool. Like a person who builds a house on sand and When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So Jesus says it's really, it's really simple. Uh, you gotta, you gotta know what to do. There's the plans. And then you gotta do what the plan says. Listens, hears, embraces and lives out these truths, right? So if you want your relationship to stand the test of time, and what is the test of time? Time is all these storms. The challenges, the trials, the, the ups and downs, the losses, the, the successes, the, the children, right? All of these things that play into our relationships. He says they're going to be challenging. They're going to be difficult. But if you build with the right set of plans and on the right foundation, it will stand the test of time. So he makes it very simple. You want to know how to have your relationship to be built to last. The first thing is you need to build your life on Jesus and his teaching. I always ask people this when I'm talking to them and counseling them or working with them through some stuff. I'll say, the first thing I want to ask you is, do you believe that God's way is better than your way? Because if you don't settle that question, if you don't answer that question, the rest doesn't really matter. Because you're going to go, well, I know God's got some plans, but come on, I got some plans too. And if I'm being honest, sometimes I think my plans are better than God's plans. Because I, I have a certain way that I like to do things, and I have a certain way that I'd like things to be done, and, and so I, I, I think I'd rather embrace my way than God's way, because it seems like God's way may take a little too long. That God's way may be a little bit too narrow. The path may be a little too hard. Because my way is a little bit easier. So that's the first thing you have to embrace and you got to accept is to go, I believe that Jesus, what he says here, who listens to me and follows me, those are the wise people. I believe the teachings of Jesus, the values of Jesus, the way he tells me to live my life is better than the way that I want to live my life. I didn't say it's easier. I didn't say it's always the most fun way, but I believe it's the better way. So that's the first thing you have to decide. It doesn't really matter about 
the relationship side yet. The first decision is you go, I believe that the best way for me to live my life is to build my life on Jesus and his teaching. And so for the context of this series, if you want a marriage that's built to last, you have to then do the same thing. Build your marriage, your relationship on Jesus and his teachings. And that's it. That's the series. We're done. You can go home. It's that simple. That's according to Jesus. It's really that simple. You want your life to make it to the end. You want to survive all the storms and all the difficulties and challenges and health crisis and relationship stuff in your life. Just it's it's very simple. Just listen and and know what the plan is that I've laid out in Scripture for your life, and just do that, and, and you'll be good. It's that simple. If only it was that simple, right? It's hard to do that, but I believe with God's help and His grace and a surrendered heart and a submitted heart to God that he will give you the grace for your relationship to to make it, to be built to last. So as we kind of shift gears into that this morning about relationships and marriage specifically today and talking about what it means to have a marriage that makes it a, a marriage that's built on the principles of God's word built on his teachings, we first have to understand the significance of what marriage means. What is marriage? Is it just a piece of paper? Is it just a legal thing that that we do so that I can get my, my spouse's insurance? Hello, right? So that I can get some benefits from the government so that we can file jointly? You know, is, is, that, is that what marriage is? Is that all that is? Is kind of just a piece of paper and what is it? Because our world says something, but, but Scripture is very clear that marriage is something that God created be- between a man and a woman, that they would leave you know, their, their families and they would become one together, that the two become one flesh, that literally that, that, that entwines their lives into one being, is what Scripture says marriage is. And it's something that God created and, and instituted. And how you view marriage will shape how you approach relationships in your life. And so first thing, I want to make it very clear that, that marriage is a covenant, not a contract. It's, not a, it's just not just a contract of, hey, here's the deal. You sign the deal. I sign the deal. Deal's done. It's not just a contract. It's a covenant. You see, a contract, think about this, is based on mutual distrust, right? So that's what a contract is. It's essentially ensuring, hey, you're going to live up to your end of the deal. When we entered into an agreement with our builder, Rusilli, on this building, we, we had attorneys and many discussions and everything to go through this contract to ensure that they would hold up their end of the deal, that they would finish the project, that they would do it within a certain budget, that to ensure that we were protected, right? That's what a contract does. It's based on distrust. A covenant is based on a mutual commitment. It's a commitment to each other. Hey, this is the commitment we're making. And as believers, as Christ followers, committed to building our lives on Jesus and his teachings, right? We are committing to build a relationship based on the principles of Scripture. This isn't a contract. It's not just a a piece of paper. It's a spiritual covenant. And listen to me, and this is why divorce is so difficult. And to those of you who have gone through that, there's grace for you. There's forgiveness for you. There's redemption for you that God can still move and, and, and work in your life. I'm not saying that at all. But listen to me, once God has brought something together... When two become one spiritually, it can't be undone. You can't undo what you do to become one. Are you guys following me? There's some kids in the room. I'm just trying to be careful. Let me just another visual. The two become one. Right? And if you don't want to have that talk with your kids, there's Kid Venture. I promise you they're not doing any of this today back there. They're just making little hearts and stuff probably, you know. But once this becomes one, it can't be undone. In fact, they told Jesus about this and talking about divorce. And if you just get a piece of paper and Jesus said, listen, what God has joined together, let nobody 
try to undo that. Because you can't undo what happens spiritually. Sure, you can, you can come up with a new contract, right? That's what you do in a divorce, right? It's new papers. You sign your pieces, paper, I'll sign my paper. This is our, we agreed to come together this way. This is how we agree to separate. And you can separate legally. You can separate financially. You can separate relationally, but you cannot separate spiritually. Part of you will always be a part of them. That's the way God designed it. And so how you approach marriage and how you view marriage as a believer should be viewed in this way. So we're going to be looking at some blueprints for relationships and how they can be built to last. And today I wanted to start it with a very simple idea, but I believe can be life-altering if you are single and even if you are married if you can shift your focus to this today, I believe it can be a game changer for your marriage. And, and, and here it is. The main idea today is that you need to focus more on becoming, not finding the right one. Becoming the right one. Some of you want to find your one. Come on. And that's just, just for fun today. Can we just do this real quick? If you're single today and, and, and just proud of the season you're in, you know, or maybe not happy about it. Valentine's Day, also known as Single Awareness Day, is coming up here soon. Um, and so, if you're if you are single, come on, come on, just raise your hand, wave at me. Come on, everybody, don't don't be ashamed. Come on, raise it higher. Come on, be proud. All right, no, keep it up, keep it up. Now look around, look around. Right, meet him in the back after service. You just you never know. You just never know. Stranger things have happened. But the deal is, listen, some of you, you want to find your one, and maybe you just did. But for some of you, listen, you want to find your one, but you're not ready for him yet. If God brought the one for you right now, you'd ruin it. Because you're not ready. You haven't done the planning yet. You haven't done the preparation phase of it yet. And if God were to bring that person into your life right now, It wouldn't be ready. You wouldn't be ready. It wouldn't be right. You see, culture focuses on finding the right one. (laughs) Scripture focuses on being the right one. Listen, if you're still single, here is the question that I would pose to you today. The question that you should be asking yourself is, are you the person, are you who the person you are looking for is looking for? Are you the person The person you are looking for is looking for. And if they found you, would they like you? Would they want you? Culture focuses on finding. Scripture is about being the right one. Because listen to me, you don't attract what you want, you attract what you are. Some of you are like, I want a good Christian woman in my life. Well, you better start living like a good Christian man. Why would a good Christian woman want to date you? Hello. Right? If you want a good Christian man, you better be living like a good Christian woman. Embracing those values, living those truths out in your life. Listen, you attract what you are. So if you want that, start living that out. Start becoming who God's called you to be. Right? I'm not just seeking this person. I'm becoming what I'm looking for in another person. And if you're already married, are you being the person you promised you would be on your wedding day? Are you focused? You're not trying to find the right one, but what you're trying to do is force them to be the right one. And your shift is on them. Hey, they need to get this, this together. They need to become this. They need to be this. And you can't find a lot of that in Scripture, friends. It's not in God's blueprint. There's not a lot in Scripture about finding the right one. In fact, the only thing we find in scripture really about that is the apostle Paul, where he talks about not being unequally yoked, meaning, hey, as a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus, if they are not a follower of Jesus, swipe whatever way. I don't even know what way it is. That stuff came out after I was already married, right? But he's saying, just don't, they're not even an option. Take them off the the, the table, right? E-harmony, not a Jesus follower. See you later. 
You're out of here. You don't mean. So Paul, that's the only thing he says about finding the right one. Here's the deal. Hey, finding the right one that you just got to make sure that they believe in Jesus and want to follow Jesus like you believe in Jesus and want to follow Jesus. Because if they don't listen to me, you're going to have some of this. Not a lot of this. A lot more of this. You guys are such quick learners. I'm so impressed. So when you open the Bible, you, you, you see it has very little say about finding the right person, but becoming the right person, it has a lot to say. Why? Because God created relationships and God created you for relationships. There's a lot of one another's in scripture. There's a lot of, this is how you should live. This is what it should be like. And it's natural to want someone and it's natural to want someone to want you. That is the thumbprint of God on your soul. And it can happen for you, but it doesn't happen by accident. You have to become intentional in the planning phase, in the preparation phase, embracing the process of what it means to become a follower of Jesus, being patient with God and his timing for your life and being persistent in that the blueprint that God has laid out in the Bible for you is going to be worth it in the end. That's how you have a relationship that's built to last. And so this is your commitment today. If you're married, it's not to try to get them to be the right one. It's to keep becoming. It's to keep being the one that God calls you to be. And letting God handle them, okay? And we're going to talk more about that. So what's it look like to really embrace this blueprint when it comes to love? And Paul, the apostle, wrote a letter to a church who had many issues with sexual immorality, with marriage, with divorce. They had lots of questions. And so Paul's writing this letter to them. And he explains the way God views love in the way those who are committed to building their life on Jesus and living out love in the way that he commands us to. He writes this beautiful passage of scripture found in 1 Corinthians 13 that, that I literally read at just about every wedding that I've ever done. Here it is. Are you guys ready? Here's what Paul says love is. You want to know what love is? Come on. I want you to show me. Paul's going to show you right here. Love is patient. Love is kind. It is not jealous. It's not boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. It is always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. Are you ready to say I do all over again? There it is. And we read that at the wedding and the couples are like this and people are sitting and they're like, it's so beautiful, right? Look at them. And then they get married and the honeymoon's over and they go, what was love again? Patient? Uh, no, ma'am. No, sir. Not, not, not easily jealous or proud. And does, love doesn't demand its own way? Ugh. That doesn't sound like love to me. Right? So Paul says, here it is. You want to know what it is? Let's break it down a little bit. Love is patient. That means it's not pushy. If you're dating someone, listen, and, and they are pushing you, to something that you don't want to do, that's not loving you. Love actually pushes me to give you more room, to give you more space. Love chooses to move at the other person's pace. Love is patient. Love says, hey, it's you before me. Love is kind, he said, or another translation here in the Greek word could be considerate. It takes into consideration how the other person feels, listen to me, all the time. All the time. How? Okay, I know how I feel. <laughs> Aren't we good at knowing how we feel? 
But Paul says, but love, it's patient and it's kind and it takes into consideration immediately what are they feeling right now? What are they thinking right now? What does God say about how I should respond to that? You see, you see, we think that the right person, again, here's the right person myth, right? Is, is that if I find the right person, everything will be all right. That's a myth, right? We think the right person won't require us to be kind because we'll never want to be mean. And if you've been married longer than five minutes, you know that that's not true. We'll just want to be kind because we just love them so much. Because you complete me. Here's what kindness is. Kindness defined is loaning someone your strength rather than reminding them of their weakness. That's what kindness really means. Hey, in the areas that you're weak, I'm going to lend you my strength. So where you fall short, I'm going to bridge the gap with, 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 with grace. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to give you what I can give you, right? That's, that's what kindness is. It's not demanding anything from them. It's saying, hey, I understand that you need to sh- for me to show you kindness, so here's how I'm going to do that. Doing for others what they cannot do in the moment for themselves. Kindness, come on, was God's response to our weakness, Christ loaned us his strength on the cross in the midst of our weakness. And he has demanded his followers, more on this soon, that we love each other the way that he has loved us. You see, the the golden rule is like, love others the way that they love you, right? Uh, Jesus, his foundation, his teachings... He says, if you're going to follow me, you're going to love others the way that I love you, regardless of how they're loving you. So let me ask you this. When it comes to your relationships, what is your go-to response to the weakness in other people? Is it to point out their weakness, to demand that they get stronger in that area, that they change in that area, that they become more like, come on, like you in that area? I know that's my default. Why can't you be as clean as organized I am, Jessica? Why can't you do this the way that I would want you to do it? Instead of lending my strength, right? Demanding, what is your go-to response? Paul goes on and says, love does not envy. Love never feels good about seeing someone else fall. And when I don't feel so good about me, right? Oftentimes in relationships, it means that I can't let you feel too good about you. Because I don't feel real good about me. And so I'm going to drag you down so that I can build myself up. And Paul says, love never competes with the other person. It just continues to celebrate their success. There's no competition. He says it's not, love does not boast. It is not proud, right? Pride, right? It, it never wants to admit that, it, that we're wrong. That's what pride is in relationships, right? It's, hey, I'm not wrong, I'm, you never say sorry. You, you, you never apologize. Paul says love doesn't get puffed up. Love doesn't try to prove its point or have its way. Love is not in it to win it. Love is to make sure that they win it. Love is not in it for the benefit of itself. Love is in it for the benefit of the other person. And love doesn't react in anger, he says. He goes on, he says, love does not dishonor. It's not a word that we use a lot in our vocabulary today, but it means that that you always are are honoring the other person. And this means that, that when you are dating someone, listen to me, guys especially, when you're dating someone, it means that you never create regret for that person that you never behave disgracefully, dishonorable, or indecent with that girl. And I know this is hard, because our world does not promote these values. But right, we're not building our lives on the values of this world. We're building our lives on Jesus. 
and his teachings. And if you want to have a relationship that's built to last, you will honor that girl throughout the whole process. And as a, as a father of a 13-year-old daughter, I get that more than I ever have before. But you know whose daughter she is more than mine? Is. So every girl you date, that is a daughter of our God. You don't dishonor that. You don't break physical boundaries. And again, our cultures, some of us are raised up in a way that we think that's the goal. Isn't that the point of the whole relationship? And I'm not judging you, but listen to me. And if you don't know Christ, you don't know any better. But if you do know Christ, I want you to know something. Whether you are following him or not, statistically, when you break the boundaries that God has in place for sexuality before you get married, it will destroy you later on. So as believers, we say, I'm going to learn what it means to honor a woman, to to honor a man. I will honor her. I will honor him. And you will not do this automatically. You do not automatically honor when you get married. you got to start doing it now in the planning phases. If you're married, ask yourself, how do you show honor to that your spouse every day? How do you honor them? Paul says that's what love does. Honor is at the heart of every healthy relationship. He goes on. I got to hurry. He says love is not self-seeking. Listen to what Paul's saying here. Just go back, right? Love is not proud. It is not envy. Keeps no record, right? All these things. Has any of this that you've heard come naturally yet? (laughs) No. None of it does. You know what comes naturally? Passion. Passion comes naturally. Chemistry comes naturally. But denying yourself to love the way Jesus wants you to love is a choice. It's a commitment. You can feel passion and chemistry with many different people, and it takes no work whatsoever. But to allow our relationships to be driven by passion and chemistry is not reality. It's hallmark, people. It's Hollywood. It's a fairy tale, right? It takes work to make a godly relationship work. You want to ask a couple who's been married for a long time that you would look at them and go, hey, it looks like your relationship was built to last. What did you do? They'll say, it took a lot of hard work to build this to last. Takes work. It's approaching the relationship not by what you can get from it, but what you can give to it. That's how it's built to last. He goes on. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. He's saying this love listens and reflects before it reacts. It listens first. It it reflects first before it reacts. This comes back again to the, the patience and the forgiveness. Look what Paul says. This is so important to relationships. He says, love doesn't keep track. Being willing to overlook small things that drive you crazy. When mistakes are made, Paul says, forgiveness is given first. It chooses to believe the best instead of assuming the worst. And love has to get to a place where we delete all the past offenses. Where you, I talk about this all the time, if you're in a a place where you're, you're separated and you're struggling to get back together, to get back on the same page, and hey, you wanna make it, you wanna make it work, you don't wanna give up on the relationship, the first thing that you have to do is to forgive them of everything they've done wrong to this point. I need you to look at them and say, listen, you don't owe me anything anymore. Because love doesn't keep track of wrongs. That's what we do, though. Hello? That's what we do. They owe me. I did this. I did this. I did this. They've never done this. They've never done that. They've never done this. And until they do this, this, and this, I'm not giving any more of this, this, or this. And so until then, and so he says what love does, it doesn't keep records wrong. It says you're you're debt-free. You don't owe me anything. And that's how we move forward. He goes, it always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, it never fails. 
protects. It means it keeps bad things out of the relationship. I don't allow that in. I'm not going to allow that stuff in. I protect the relationship. Trust. There is no one that I can confide in more than you. I trust you. Again, I, I choose to believe the best instead of assuming the worst in every situation that love chooses to give a generous explanation to the other person over and over again until they just can't anymore. That's what love does. And he says, and it perseveres. It doesn't quit prematurely. It's willing to put the work in to make it work. Listen to me. What Paul is saying here, if we were to summarize this all up, that love chooses to see the best, hope for the best, and believe the best, and chooses to overlook the rest. I see the best. I'm hoping for the best. Man, I'm believing for the best. And I'm going to overlook the rest. And as we close and the band comes, Paul finishes this chapter on love with this verse. He says, you see, when I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned like a child. But when I grew up, I put childish things away. I put away the childish things in my life, right? When I was a child, I talked like a child. When you were in middle school, your view of love was probably a lot different than it is right now. When I was a kid, this is how I viewed love. This is how it was. This is how I acted. But when I became a man, a a woman, an adult, Paul says, I have to put childish ways behind me. Listen, how does every childhood fairy tale end, right? And they live happily ever after. In a children's story, right? If you can just, again, get the two people together, the rest will take care of itself. But Paul says, listen, that's not how it works in the real world. Some of you are approaching your relationship like a child. It's not a Disney movie anymore. Reality is sinking in. You cannot magically find the right person and just live happily ever after. There's a plan that has to be in place. There's preparation that God needs to do in your life. There's a process to prepare you for what God wants. It's gonna require a lot of patience and persistence. And let me add one more P to that process. It's gonna take a lot of prayer to say, God, I need you to love them through me because I can't love like this. I can't live this out. I'm having a hard time, God, just to forgive what they've done. I'm having difficulty in these areas. Listen, but your best chance to have a relationship that's built to last, Paul says, is you gotta, you gotta put the childish ways behind. You have to shift your focus from finding the right person to becoming the right person. And if you've already found that person of continuing to become and be the person, not that they need you to be, that God has called you to be. And this isn't easy. You see, you can't love like Jesus without the love of Jesus. It's impossible to do. The greatest commandment that was ever given, Jesus summarized it in Matthew 22, 37. He said, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. He says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally important. Then love your neighbor as you love yourself. But notice, he didn't say, love your neighbor as yourself and love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. He said, you know, you gotta love me first. You gotta submit and surrender to me. You gotta believe that, that building your life, that the blueprint for not just a happy marriage, a blessed marriage, but a blessed life, a, a life that's built to last, that a life that makes it through all the twists and turns is a life that's built on me and my teachings. That is a wise person. You got to believe that. You got to live that out. He says, but, but you got to do that first so that then you can be the person I've called you to be. You can love the way that I've called you to love. You see, your love for others, your love for your spouse is an overflow out of your love for God. That's how it works. So you go, well, how, what do I do? What is my first step in, 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 in healing my, my, my relationship of, of having the type of relationship that I want, the type of marriage that I want? Your first step has nothing to do with them and has everything to do with you and Jesus. Jesus, I'm gonna put you first in my life. You're not first, God, so I'm gonna put you first. God, I'm gonna prioritize, Lord, your, your word 
and your will for my life, God, that is going to be what I seek. I'm going to love you with all of my soul, all of my mind, all of my strength. Listen to me. If you do that, come on, it will overflow into your marriage. Without a doubt, will overflow. Your spouse, your husband, your wife, they'll start seeing the difference in you. Something different about you. It's Jesus. Make loving God your priority and the rest of this stuff that we focus all of our energy on, right? What do we do, right? And all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength goes in trying to make them become who I need them to be. And he says, if you'll just put all that into me, the rest will take care of itself. And Paul's promise to us, if we will put God at the center of our lives and our relationships, here it is again. He says, and that type of love, it never fails. It doesn't lose. That type of love, it remains forever. He said, faith, hope, and love, they will remain forever. And then he said, but the greatest of all of these, faith and hope, he says, is that type of love. It'll last forever. It will be built to last. But that kind of love is only possible with God being the foundation that you're building your life on. With Jesus being at the center of your life, with his love flowing in you first, into you so it can flow out of you to others. How do you get filled with his love? Jesus already said, listen to me. Do what I tell you to do. This is the way. This is the truth. This is the life. You want to live a life that's fulfilled? Follow me. Leave it all. Surrender to me. I'm going to ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a second. But maybe you're here today and you would say, man, regardless of the relational status of your life and where your marriage is currently at. Let's just, let's just put all that aside for a moment. I really just wanna ask you about your relationship with God. You see, you cannot know God without knowing Jesus. God of the Bible demands perfection and sinless holiness is what it takes to come into his presence. But Jesus came into this world, paid the price for your sin, my sin, and made a way so you could know God through the cross. And the cross essentially built a bridge so that you could know God, so that you could have a relationship with him, so that you could experience the forgiveness and grace of God that transforms you from the inside out, that, that takes the old you and makes you into a new person, that, that transforms you into who he has created and called you to be. It starts with knowing him. And so today, if you were to say, I'm not right with God, man, there's no way I can focus on being right with my wife or with my husband or in, with my kids or my other relationships in my life. I got to get right with God first. I got to get the vertical relationship down before I worry about the horizontal ones. And so today, if that's you, man, thank God you're here. Thank God you're watching and listening because God made a way for you to be right with him through Jesus Christ. And it says, if you will just confess your faith in Jesus and say, I believe that you're God's son, that you died for me so that I could know God in Jesus. I wanna surrender to you. I wanna follow you. If you will believe that and confess that today, the Bible says you will instantly experience the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the mercy of God, and the empowerment of his spirit to transform you into who he wants you to be. And so today, if that's you and you say, there's sin in my life, I'm not right with God, and I gotta get that right before I worry about anything else. And so today, I just wanna get right with God. I'd love to lead you in a simple prayer of faith and surrender, but as a sign to the Lord today, not just me, but to the Lord, say, God, that's me. I want to surrender to you. If that's where you're at right now, just lift up your hand right now, wherever you are. I see you right here. Yep, I see you over here. I see you right here. Thank you, sir. I see you right here. Thanks, buddy. Come on, don't be ashamed. This is God inviting you. He's welcoming you. He loves you. I see you. Thank you. Anyone else? Amen. Church family, would you pray this with me? If you raise your hand, just, just repeat this with me. Church family, pray with them. Say, dear Jesus, today I invite you in. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sin. I believe that you're the son of God. That you died for me so I can live for you. I surrender 
all that I am to you and your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, can we celebrate with heaven today, those making that decision? I'm gonna invite all of you to stand at this time. And if you made a decision today, I just wanna help you and we wanna walk alongside of you. So if you made a decision today and just saying, hey, I need to take my next step in my relationship with God, there's a room out in the lobby, big sign above it that says next stops, next steps. There's some of our staff will be in there, some people who would love to connect with you, give you if you need a a Bible. We have Bibles. There's a, a free book that's literally about how to take your next steps in pursuit of God's will and his plan for your life. So I'd encourage you to swing by there. If you need additional prayer about anything you're going through in your life, man, swing by there. There's a private place that you can experience that. If you're new with us today and newer and you've never filled out a connect card, just make sure you swing by the Welcome Center. Uh, we'd love to give you a free gift just as a way of saying thanks for hanging out with us. But we're so glad you were here today. And as we just close out with this simple course of this song, and we're going to dismiss you here in just a moment, but here's where it starts. If you want to have a relationship that, that's built to last, right? It's coming to a place of fully surrendering your life to Jesus. And it's saying, Jesus, I believe, come on, here it is. I believe your way's better. Your way's better, God. I've been trying to do it my way. I've been trying to get them to do it my way, but God, I believe your way is better. And so God, Lord, help me to shift my focus from them onto you and to focus on not worrying about them, but God, who, who I am when it comes to you and who you've called me to be. God, I want to become, come on, palms up, fully surrendered. I want to become who you want me to be. God, I want to live surrendered and submitted to your ways and to your will for my life. Friends, that's where it starts. Do you believe it? It's just surrendering. And this song, I don't even know if it's a real word, it's called re-surrender. <laughs> because here's the reality. Most of us, we've already done this, haven't we? Come on. God, I surrender. <laughs> I submit. Come on, that's a daily thing. You re-surrender. God, I surrender again because I'm trying to do it my way again. God, I surrender again. I believe. I submit. And God honors that type of faith, that type of prayer. So today, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on, if you want your life to be built to last, if you want your relationships to be built to last, it starts right here. Palms up, fully submitted, fully surrendered to the will, the word, and the way of God for your life. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your grace. We all fall short. We all need your help. God, we desire to be who you've called us to be. God, we want that. God, I want that in my relationship. I want that in my marriage. God, I want to be more like you. So today, Jesus, I surrender once again to your will, to your word, and to your ways. In Jesus' name.